Bibles and turn one more time to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Glad to have everyone in the house of the Lord. You're not wasting your time. You're investing in the future. You're investing your time in the future. And you'll find when it's all over, your time is well spent in the house of the Lord. Praise God. And that qualifies you for eternity. Amen. Eternity is you live forever and forever and forever. Tupper beside you, I plan to live forever. So I plan to live forever. I will not die. I will live forever. Can you believe that? Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. Chapter 18. First Samuel, and it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and let him go home no more to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garment even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And the Bible says, And David went out with Jehovah Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. Lord, we need you one more time to bless this congregation with the anointed word of heaven. We're preparing for the marriage supper of the Lamb. While we're preparing God, preparing the dress rehearsal, we're preparing for the performance. We thank you for your coming. We expect it, anticipate it, and this might be the night when you do it. Help us to be ready. In the name of Jesus. We have victory, Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about the spirit of Jonathan. Many preachers don't preach about Jonathan because his story is not very long. But there are characteristics in the life of Jonathan that I desire more than I need anything else in this world. More than I need credentials of degrees and diplomas and certificates. And I like those things. I love those things. And, and all those things that earthly belongings. They're not wrong. They're good for us. If we can have them, we use them for God. But there's something about Jonathan. Jonathan spirit. Jonathan father is King Saul. The first king that God placed over Israel. Now Abimelech in the book of Judges had usurped the authority of being a king and kill all the sons of Jehu, all ten sons, and God fixed them later on, and he, he died, a lady <laughs> in the war just dropped a, a pot of hot water and hit him on the head, and he fell almost half dead, so he committed suicide. He did not want people to know that a woman killed him, so he committed suicide. He, committed, he was going to die from the blow that she gave to him by dropping a pot on his head at the wall, and going to die because God took retribution against what he did. And the Bible know that God later on gave Israel a king and went to the tribe of Benjamin. And Saul was the man God picked. I'm told by the scripture he was a very humble man, a very tall man, the tallest in the nation of Israel. When he stood up in the crowd, you could see him looking over the heads of others. He was that tall. Unfortunately, Saul did not pan out okay, because Saul got lifted up, and God had to drop him by the wayside. He finally committed suicide. Amen. Because he was caught up in himself. But he had a son. He had many sons, but this one stood out among them all. Jonathan was his right arm of bearers. He was right there with his daddy all through battles. And you don't hear much about Jonathan until after Goliath got killed. 
Jonathan is not mentioned until Goliath died. David brought Goliath's head to the king like he promised him. Jonathan, the prince in Israel, born a prince, heir to the throne, rightful heir to the, uh, the succession plan. He's going to be next in line for the throne. When he saw what David did, after 40 years, 40 days rather, of shame and challenge and, and reproach, and this little shepherd boy, amen, in Jonathan's eyes, I suppose Jonathan might be older than David, it's about the same age, when he looked at David and seen what David planned to do, he probably was musing his heart, is this kid crazy? But they said, is there not a cause? Why are we standing alive this guy to do what he's doing to us? I, I, I'm disturbed. What is the king saying about this? They said, well, you can marry his daughter. He said, I don't need to marry his daughter to fight this old guy. This guy is upsetting my God and his kingdom and his soldiers. Why do you allow this to happen? He said, I'll go fight him. Words got to Saul, the king. The boy down here said, I want to fight him. We think he's paranoid and crazy and mad and schizophrenic. There's something wrong with the guy. He's got hallucinations here. So I said, bring him to me. He says, who are you? He says, I will go fight that giant. Boy, you will? Yes, I will go fight him. You can't fight him. You're just a lad. I said, I'll go fight him. You're going to do what? I'm going to go fight that giant and kill him. Why? Because he insulted the armies of God. And the reputation of God is on the line, and that bothers me. I'm going to do something about it. So she says, also, okay, if you insist, but well, here's my armory. And I can see the David, it must have been that small. <laughs> Couldn't do it. He said, you know what, I can't go fight him with this. I, I'm going to fight him, but not with this, because I haven't proven this. What a smart kid. You don't use tools you're not, you have not proven. I can't go to battle with this kind of uniform here. I'm sorry, Saul. Thanks, but no thanks. Take it back. I'll do what I've always done, whatever you've always done. Well, well, back in the desert before you knew me, I killed lions before and bears who got too close, and I popped his mouth wide open, and he died. And that guy looked to me like a lion and a bear. And I think I can accomplish the same goal if you will just give me the word to go, I will go. So, so somehow, David must have taken time off and ran down to the brook that he's always been, picked up five stones, hello, and came back and said, I'm ready to go. So what are you going to do? I'm going to face him. And David ran towards the Philistines. Now, you can imagine how insulting it would be for this little lad and this giant looking down on him with scorn, disdain, and thought, what on earth is wrong with Israel? I asked for a champion, and you sent me a lad. Well, that's how God operates. God wants to whip your enemy with the most unconventional method. God wants to use tools that men have not used before. That's how God operates. God don't want my scientific tools or my intellect. Amen. He's got his own powerful tool, the anointing oil. Can break the yoke. Amen. And God knows how to laser scent a missile and drop his enemy. And so he said, I'll, I'll do it. And my went, and I mean, he said, what is wrong with Israel? But David ran towards Goliath. Not walk, ran. And Goliath said, boy, this is your last day. I'm going to throw you to the fowls of the air. And he cursed God and cursed the God of David and cursed David. They said, just a minute, you come at swords and shield, but I'm coming in the name of the Lord. The battle is the Lord. Hallelujah. It's not for the swift or the strong or the mighty. It's for those that know the word of God. That two-edged sword, the word of God. And he ran towards him, and they're both prophesying to the Lord and said, I'm going to take his head off and feed him to the fowls. David kept his word because the first 
stolen his slung out there, hit him right in the forehead. He dropped, maybe unconscious, and David jumped on top of him like, like you would a bear when you get a bear get a, a kill. He jumped on top of it and put it there and go. A bear does that. And in other words, don't you touch this, this is my territory. He's tan on his kill. And David stood on top of that man like a like a champion, and then borrowed his sword and pulled out and cut his head right off and held it right up. Trophy. That's the first medical trophy I know of in the world. Long before they start shooting moose and, and animals, David had the first trophy. He held that thing up. You're going to hang it on his wall one of these days. Hallelujah. Amen. So look what I did. I got his head. I borrowed his sword and took it out right off. Now, Jonathan is watching all that. And God didn't have to mention this, but the greatest event was not the fall of Goliath. It was the response of Jonathan. Now, I know that shocked you. The hero is not David. The hero is going to be Jonathan. Jonathan, when his father dies, he'll be the next king. It's lined up for him. Jonathan is a prince. David is a commoner. He's the least among his brethren. Not even his brothers consider him fit for kingship. In fact, they thought he was a brat coming to watch the war when he was in the divine will of God. And Jonathan is watching with great admiration. He's looking at Abner, the, the captain of the host, wouldn't go fight. His father, who's the king, was his job to go fight for Israel. He wouldn't go. All the men of war would not go. But this stripping of a lad, ready head, said, I'll go. And he won the battle. And the thing is, David did not use conventional weapon. He didn't have a shield, a sword, or anybody with him. He ran in the valley. To face a giant of a situation to defend the cause of God. And when Jonathan saw there's a guy that didn't care to marry the king's daughter, didn't worry about his own life and safety, and saw the, the courage and the boldness in David and knew he took his own life in his own hand to go fight a champion. The Boston, when, the, when, when it was all over, Jonathan was mesmerized. It says, and Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Now, I wish I had the words and the, and the adjectives and the verbs to describe what that means. And to make this more clearer, God knows the highest love, amen, is that agape love that a man should have for his wife or his family. Amen. It says, David was loved by Jonathan above the love that a man has for his own wife. That's God trying to explain to you the description of the love that Jonathan had. I mean, he was overwhelmed by it. Amen. And so Jonathan loved David, and Jonathan from that moment came up to David, and before all the eyes, did something that if this church ever learned would be the greatest church in our district and no church will be as great as we are. If this church can learn this right now, I want everybody to hear this message tonight. Amen. This is the greatest act you'll ever perform in your life in this church. If you can do what, what Jonathan is about to do. Jonathan, look at David and he could have looked with envy. Everybody is singing the song of David. Everybody's singing the praise of David. All the cameras on David, not on David's brothers, not on Jonathan, not on King Saul, not on those at all. The camera is on David. And who should be affected by it but Jonathan and Saul? Now, Saul, for a temporary moment, liked it. Because after all, he didn't have to fight. The battle is over. He's won. The Philistine lost. 
They pick up the spoil. But when they brought David to King Saul, and he asked Abner, whose boy is this? He said, ask him. He said, I'm just a Benjamite. Now, he's from the tribe of Judah. And there's a jealousy between the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. Amen. Read for yourself in Ezekiel 37. They're called the two sticks. Two sticks. There's a constant undermining rivalry that exists between the house of Judah and the house of Benjamin. Amen. There's a war going on. Ephraim, I mean Ephraim house does not like this guy at all. Amen. And so here we have a rival going on in the tribes. But Jonathan says, I love David because of his courage and his boldness. And then he did something crazy. He backed off his garment of a tree. Now David is dressed up as a shepherd boy. And you all know a shepherd is the most what? The lowest job in Israel. In the eyes of an Egyptian, you're an abominable thing. So David has an abominable ancestral position. Worse than a Benjamite felt in his leastness. And this boy bucked off his royal garment. And look at David and, and covered David with his garment and stripped David of his clothing and put it on. Now, church, that's not how it was in many kingdoms. A dagger would come out. You would kill the rival. But that's not what Jonathan did. Jonathan didn't see David as a rival. He saw him as the source of his survival. And he loved him. He loved his ministry. He loved his commitment. He loved his courage. He loved his boldness. And he felt to himself, I must decrease in prominence. And he must increase. Now, church, that does not happen in companies or corporations. Doesn't happen in families. Doesn't happen in church organizations. My friend, the dagger comes out. The food taster is required because you're about to be poisoned by your rival. You're about to be shipwrecked or punctured your tire or sabotaged your reputation. But not so with Jonathan. Jonathan said, David, you are going to be king, not me. Now, folks, stop and think about it. Can you step down and let somebody else step up? Even though it was a point that you should step up. But would you step down? And let that other person step up. Who in your eyes does not match your background. Your forte, your credentials. Jonathan stripped himself. Loved him. Not as a rival. But a source of his survival. And covered him with a princely robe. I mean his daddy would never do that. Abner would not do that. But the character that's in this man is saying, if anybody loved God that much to put their life on the line, they deserve my devotion and can take my promotion. Mm. And so he did that, and then he put on David's shepherd clothing, gave David his sword, his weapon, and his shield. And when they walked out of that building, you couldn't tell who was David and who was Jonathan. Because the people looked and said, of course, that's the garment of Jonathan, but it's the face of David. What has happened? The spirit of Jonathan is the spirit of principle. Amen. Next spirit he had, he was unpretentious. 
He was not so concerned about his own reputation as he was about the exaltation of David. Hallelujah. Can you step down and let somebody else step up? I saw a dream and I saw a vision many years ago of a, of a district operation. I saw one man step down off the ladder. I, I literally saw it. And this guy stepped up. And friend, it has been war. Even to this day, the war has not ceased. The war is still in, in play. Amen. But he was unpretentious. He felt, I must decrease. And I will help David increase. Can you hold the ladder that your, hallelujah, your, your, your competition climb up the ladder? Can you do that? And it says, I loved him so much. My love is greater than my love for my wife. That's unnatural. It's unusual. But this is what was heroic about chapter 18. Not David behaving himself as some as the way that Jonathan is behaving towards David. Now, the father of Jonathan, for a short while, was glad for the war being won. But when he heard the songs being sang, he got mad. He wanted to kill David. You would think Jonathan would be a part of the conspiracy to defame David, but not on your life. He would take news back to David said, David... My dad is trying to kill you. Get out of there. Run for your life. Here's where you're going to hide. And David, you can trust me with your life, with your reputation, with your motive, with your courage. I will not seek to bring you down. Everything I do, I will build you up. I will hold the ladder for you. I'll make you climb up the ladder of success. I'll make sure that you get to the top. I don't care if I stay at the bottom. But as long as I live, you're my buddy. You're my friend. And nothing will separate us from the love that we have between us. Because we got true fellowship. And true fellowship comes from true friendship. You know, some people can love you with their lips, but with their heart, they're far from you. But not so with Jonathan. His love was unfeigned. What you see is what you get. He was united. He was not divided in his love and devotion. He's committed. Amen. said, I'm going to lift up David, that man that worked for God the way he did. I love him. If for no other reason can you love that individual, because they love God the way they do. They may not be pleasing in your platitude situation. But can you love them for the work of God they do? Can you love them? Can you get so connected to them. That you're not carnally minded. That ranks don't mean that much to you. That you can strip yourself of ranks. And worldly acclaim. Just to see one that stood for the cause. And you know they're committed. Can you give that person true loyalty? True friendship? Through covenant? And through heroic worship? I said, though my dad don't love you, I love you. And I'll do everything to protect you from his javelin and his sword. Jonathan, my hero. Jonathan. And the spirit that I may be a prince, but I don't mind becoming a pauper just to make you become that prince. His dad said, boy, aren't you so stupid? As long as David lived, you'll never be king. Jonathan says, I don't care what the praises ring. He is going to be king. And I'm going to be here to help him. And I made him a vow. But I will be always there to protect his back. I will respect and honor him. David is my hero. Can you worship God? Jonathan, a man of undissolved, un, amen, dissolved principle. That said, I will support David. I'm not being pretentious. I am being plain. What you see is what you get. 
David, you are going to increase. Amen. He said, David, I think my father's trying to kill you, but I'll tell you what. I'm going to go see my dad. And I'm going to tell you what he says in the palace. Hallelujah. And the father says, where's David? He said, well, David said he couldn't come because he is unclean today. Okay. Well, you, you know, son, if, if David is alive, you'll never be king. As long as he's around. Whatever you got to do, tear down his image. Get rid of him. Find fault with him. Come on my team. Ruin his reputation. Amen. Assassinate his character. Do whatever you can. Make people think bad of him. Find fault. Lay every blame at his feet. Whatever you do, make sure he's not recognized. Pull him down. He said, Father, what sin has he committed against you? Why do you hate him so much? Don't you see this guy love you? Fought your battles? Put his life on the line for you? Can't you see that? And why will you sin against him with a cause? It's a terrible thing to hate somebody with a, without a cause. It's a terrible thing to find fault with people because of your own problems, your own hangers. Amen. But not so Jonathan. He was a man of integrity, which his father lacked. A man of faith, a man of loyalty. Can you be loyal and integritous and faithful to your rival? Can you be youthful and truthful to that person that's ascending above you? What is in that person that when you see them, you have violent reaction? I know people in churches, if A is passing B, when A and B come to the same stoplight, I mean explosion going off. As soon as they pass each other, they're back to normality. I mean, it's just they can't see each other. They can't shake each other. They think even of each other. And there's something wrong. You can tell there's no friendship involved. You can tell there's only lip service. Handshake don't mean heart, heart amen, coalescing together. Amen. But not so with Jonathan. Jonathan, why are you persecuting this lad? This lad loves you. This lad will fight your battle. This lad will go out. Look, he laid out his life for you. You put him at the end of the army and he fought your battles. You put him on a dangerous strip to get some circumcised foreskin and he got it. Everything you did, he got it for you. Now church, here's what happened now. It says in verse 15 to 18, Here's what makes people angry at you, 14 to 18. When David began to behave wisely, amen, Saul got really crazy. David, you're supposed to hate me. You're supposed to despise me. You're supposed to reject me. But David behaved what? Wisely. Went out to battle and came back. Most guys would vaunt their credentials, not David. And Joshua was watching him. And Joshua said, that's my friend for life. Amen. He's patriotic to his dad, but would not compromise his values. I want the spirit of David. You see, Jonathan got to the place. It didn't matter who killed Goliath. The fact is he's dead. I don't care if I only, nobody sang a song of, of, of Jonathan. There's no song composed. Jonathan kills whatever, and he did. He went into an acres of land and killed a whole bunch of Philistines, and nobody sang a, sang, sang a song for him. But they sang for David. He could have got so jealous and so upset, amen, and break up the friendship, but not so. He celebrate David's credentials. Can you celebrate the person that caused you so much grief, their credential, more than criticize their credential? Can you do that? But I know that there's an unbreakable friendship that came from the heart, the heart of Jonathan.
It was so unbreakable. Trials could not, or hate couldn't break that friendship. Trials or curses couldn't stop the friendship between them. The father cursed David. Jonathan loved him more. He threw a javelin at, amen, at this young man called Jonathan to said, you're a stupid son. Don't you see that guy going to take your place? He said, Dad, what have I done? What has he done? He's your hero. Thank God for him. And Esau says, I know what you did. You stripped yourself. But as long as he lives, you'll never be king. He will always sit in a chair above you. Nothing could destroy the bond or the tie of fellowship and relationship between David and Jonathan. No situation, no threat, amen, no sadness, no problems at all. Jonathan says, I love David unconditionally. I want to ask yourself right now, do you love your rival? Would you close your eyes right now? Who that you hate so much that every time you think about them, you have depression? You have blood pressure problems. You shed tears that you shouldn't be shedding. I want to ask you a question right now. Are we playing with secret jealousy or private envy like Saul did? Think about it. That you can't even focus on the good deeds that your rival is doing. All you can look at is what it's doing to me. Saul could never look at the big picture. This person is doing the will of God that I'm not able to do. And if I can't love them for any other reason, let me love them for their work's sake. David faced Israel's worst nightmare, Goliath. What if the person that you can't stand is in the church to do what you don't like to do? What if the person you can't tolerate is here to accomplish work you can't accomplish? You've got to put on the garments of Jonathan and receive them regardless of what it does to you and think about their value to the cause should be greater than the way it affect me personally. He gave up his robe of princehood, his sword of fame, and his bow of achievement, and his belt, amen, of success. And hand it, hand it to his rival. I can tell you about a situation in my personal life. I've been wronged, terrible wrong, hurt, deep. I even still talk about some time. I realized I didn't really forgive the person. You think you have, but you haven't. You gave lip service, but really in your heart you haven't forgiven you know how you know that? You keep talking about it. It's on your lips 24-7. That means it's still there. It's a cancer. And at the time God gave an opportunity, I saw them pass by me, and I passed by them, and the glass of my eye was looking at me, and they went to a table, and they sat down, and God said, go sit there and join them. I think I shocked them so much, they probably wet their pants, I don't even know it. I said, can I join you? Yeah. I could see the uneasiness. Yes, they have a right to be uneasy because they know I'm mad at them too. And they can feel it. You can lie with your lips, but you can't lie it from your face. And your face reveals your heart. You've got a problem with me. And i got one with you too. But I realize if it's going to be, it's up to me. Not to them. It's for me. And once I step out of my self-indulgence and step in the robe of reunification at all costs, then I realize I'm stepping in the spirit of Jonathan. I was ready to strip myself of pride, self-hurt, amen, and my self-fame and realize that they are involved in the work of God. And the work of God means more than my personal hurt, than my personal ambition, and my personal whatever, because if I ever drive them out of the ministry in God's kingdom, I have hurt the cause, 
and satisfy my own flesh. So I'd rather crucify my flesh than destroy the work of God. Back in your bag and move to another city is not the answer because you stop the grudge there. You've got to cleanse yourself. Amen. He said, David must increase and I must decrease. I pledge to stand beside David no matter what the cost is. Hallelujah. David in loyalty at all times. David can trust me. I will not betray you just to suit the lust of my flesh. Jonathan, my hero. Let's worship God. Jonathan, nothing shall destroy that bond and the tie. Nothing shall separate us. No threat, no share of common danger would have caused me to betray that love I've developed. Jesus says, if you love them that love you, your love is inferior. But if you love them that hate you, then your love is superior. If you only can fellowship those, amen, that pat you on the back, then your fellowship is very feigned. Amen, and not really up there. Praise God. But if you can love, amen, that God just, amen, arrested you and pick up his ears and stick it back on. And still go on to the judgment hall with him. Then I know you got the spirit of Jonathan. Let's worship God. Jonathan born a prince. Hallelujah. But not claiming prince worship from David. He's a pair here to the throne. But chose to step down to step David step up. Jonathan destined to rule. But decided to make David rule in his stead. I was thinking about David learned from Jonathan. Jonathan impacted David so much that after his death, David picked up a spirit that I know he got from Jonathan. God said, Jonathan, David, I like what you, your idea, but I'm not going to let you do it. It's my idea. And God said, I will not get the praise. <laughs> no, I don't want you, Billy. I want Solomon to build it. But God is my idea. I know one guy backs from this church. And a girl too. She said when she brought them in, she felt she had the right to teach them. And she was not good enough for teaching. She was good enough on the bringing. But she was not good for teaching. Because she had nothing to impart that God wanted. She backs over that. He also backstood over that, too, because he felt that, you know, he should be on the horse riding, you know, have the preeminence all the time. And it wasn't coming his way. So he shoot his mouth out and finally lost out with God. Not so with Jonathan. Jonathan impressed David so much that when David came to kingship, David would rather give up the throne than fight a son or a brother. Would you give up your rights and your feelings just to satisfy a sister or a brother? You can't do that if you don't have the spirit of Jonathan. If you're all about satisfying my ego, my hurt, and my feelings, then you don't have the baptism yet of what's called the spirit of Jonathan. David learned so much from Jonathan that when he came to the throne, most folks don't know this, all the sore mercies of God came from his lesson he learned from Jonathan. Jonathan could have put his sword and cut his head off. It was legal to do it. Because David was a prisoner and a fugitive. If you kill David, the king will exalt you. Jonathan had access to him with a knife and wouldn't stab him in the back or under the fifth rib. Jonathan wouldn't do it. All Jonathan asked was, hey, when I'm gone, and I know I will be gone, take care of my kids. Take care of my house. Show mercy to my family. I'm going to step back and let you be king. I'm going to let you reign. And you're going to reign as a prince and a king. And when you come to the throne, please remember my, my family. Be kind to them as I was to you. 
Ah, uh, don't take my dad's grudge and treat him that way just to be nice. That's why when David came to the kingdom and he was riding high on the horse of success and prosperity, he said, is there somebody from the house of Jonathan that I could show mercy to? No, I must confess my wife doesn't know this, but I know everything I, I, I reap in this life, God, God knows the truth is my parents' goodness I'm reaping from. I never sowed one seed to, to deserve anything I have. I've been places that my dad never been. I've experienced, and I, I'm not stupid. I know I, it's my dad's behavior to people and my mom, why I am where I am and experience what I'm doing. I'm not stupid. I know that. I realize that. They realize I could have been dead. Jonathan is the reason why I'm alive. Is there somebody from the house? Somebody from the house of, of Jonathan that I could show mercy to? Just, just, just anybody. How do you feel about your rival kids? You know, sometimes you can't hurt the rival, but you hurt their kids. You left them out. You, you badmouth them. You, you ostracize them. You know, in, in the Caribbean, they, you can't get the guy to scratch his car. You hurt something he loves. But not so David learned from Jonathan. Oh, no, you don't do that. Amen. <laughs> David, rather give up the throne than fight with Absalom. Will you give up your feelings just to have harmony? Or will you strive for your harmony at the expense of a soul? David gave up. You want it? Have it. Where did David learn the sure mercies of David? From Jonathan. He observed the life of Jonathan. Jonathan taught him what love is. What forgiveness is. How to treat your rival. Nobody in the Bible except Jesus matched this Feeling of model that we've seen today. And David, after credit, is modeled from Jonathan. That's where he got it from. That's where he got it from. The sure love. Jonathan was a friend in good times and bad times. Are you a friend in good times and bad times? To the person who was rivaling you? I'm dealing with. I sat at a meeting, and, and it, uh, I was not the chair of it, but I, I could see there was going to be a split, a, a split, and I know why they want to split, and I, and I knew, but at some time you got to hold your peace and not speak too much, and so it's wisdom not to speak when you ought not to speak. Amen. But I knew all along the reason why the split is coming on. There's an underlying current. There's an underlying current. People put. They, 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 they posture. But real, their real feeling is not seen. It's like that bird on the water, the duck, you know, look pretty calm on top of the water, but underneath it, its legs moving up at 40 miles an hour. If you could see on the line what's going on, there is hurt. There is acidity. Come on now, church. There is madness. There's not gladness, but I'm Amen. He will not desert him in time of tough times. A true friend will stand the test of all trials. Some friends come and go, but this one is a lifelong. No event could easily destroy this bond between David and Jonathan. Crisis made the bond stronger, not weaker. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jonathan was a prince in Israel. And treat David, who was a shepherd, as he was a prince. The father hate David. Do you hate David because others hate him? You know what? You can ruin reputation by spreading bad things about people. You can go from here to there across the world and tell people about me that don't even know me and they hate me before they even know me. Now, Jonathan. David speak highly of Jonathan. 
He respected Jonathan. And Jonathan respected David. Jonathan could say, well, David, you're an enemy to my father. You don't like my father. You're trying to get my father's throne. You're trying to get the preeminence over my dad. He could have said that. But he wanted the will of God more than the will of his daddy. Let's worship Jesus. Hallelujah. If this church is going to be great, this church will never rise until that spirit of rivalry. And we won't be always down in the dump. You will die before we die. Because God won't let you live forever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship God. I don't want anybody to leave church because of me. Or I feel pushed out of church because of my lifestyle towards them. I'd rather become their carpet. Go ahead, walk on me. Leave your footprints on me. But I will not put egg on your face. I'm going to pray God give me amazing grace to be a Jonathan in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, there's something cleansing when you walk and you know I've just released myself from my secret grudge, my secret jealousy, my secret envy. I no longer, amen, that person I used to be. I can see you coming and not feel evil vibe. I can talk to you without, amen, talking like Joseph brothers couldn't talk to Joseph without anger. You could hear the tone of their voice. They can't maintain their, 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 their modality because you know why? They have him up in their heart over dreams. Sometimes people have you up and you don't even know they have you up. Sometimes people hate you and you don't even know they hate you. They despise you or they got weird images about you. That's not even real. But not so Jonathan. He stripped himself. David, if you ever worried about me, you don't have to worry about me. Can look, David, I gave it all to you. Before I close, your rival tonight should become your best friend. Don't go tell them that. Act it. Your words are cheap. You lie all the time. Oh, there's nothing between us. That's not true. You're a liar. You're a born spiritual liar. Act it out. Actions speak better than words. Praise God. The same people who cried, Hosanna, tomorrow crucified him. Jonathan, when he died, David could have said, oh, wretch, he died like he should have died with his dad. David said, don't you ever publish the falling of Saul. Are you walking around publishing people's failed reputation? What are you publishing with your mouth? What are you telling people about me and other people? I don't mean me personally because I don't, you know, talk about me. You're wasting your time. I'm bad press anyway. <laughs> what are you publishing about sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so? And do you realize after I read that press what you just did to me to that person? Jesus said they hated me without a cause based on what they heard, not what they experienced. He said, don't publish that Saul fell. He said, oh, God, all the mighty fallen. You're talking about Saul. Talking about Jonathan. But God was clearing the path for David to reign. Can you decrease that your rival might increase? Can you tonight pledge your support not to publish their failures, not to feed your envy and your grudge and your jealousy? Can you do it tonight? Seriously, kill your agag. Crucify it. Crucify your lips and your tongue. But I said, he that saw discord among brethren is an abomination like a gay. You are like a gay to God when you spread among your brethren discord. God said, I see you no different than a guy who practiced homosexuality. So you're the same. That's, that's terrible. Did God call you me an abominable? 
And all I did was just sow discord on Saul. Saul, he's a wretch. You know, I noticed the life of, I noticed the life of a man called uh, Samuel. He grew up in a home where he saw Eli boys doing evil. And the father compromised. You know what, church? I can't find one place where Samuel ever mentioned it. How many hours have you prayed for your rival? Amen. I'm not here to assassinate character. I'm ready to crucify my flesh. Don't give in. Hallelujah. To kill your potential rival. Let's stand. Show respect for your rival. And you'll have a survival revival. Display friendship and not just tolerance for your rival. You both can sit on the same throne. Amen. There's no need to step down. Hallelujah. Let's worship God. One of the most beautiful things that happened in this church is to see the person you hate the most or you envy or you can't, you're sick and tired of, just reach down and grab them by the hand. Let me, let me lift you up. Let me lift you up. I passed through this from 1980, and all of those who couldn't tolerate saints today are backslidden. Every one of them are backslidden. I could name them. I heard what they said. And I thought, you were going on the road of destruction. You can't hate what God loves. You can't destroy what God resurrected. And I realized I had to go sit down with what I didn't like to be a real Christian. Hallelujah. And I've been talking to God about Lord, give me the spirit of Jonathan. Give it to me, Jesus. I don't trust me. I don't trust my ego. I wrestle with the spirit of diatrophies. I always want the preeminence. I want to be the winner. I want to be the top cat, the top dog. Can I strip myself and clothe my rival? Can I have power and not use it? Hallelujah. God is talking to this church. This church will never be effective if you rival each other. This church will never grow if you undermine each other. You will never make it. I promise you, you're going to die in hell and bust hell wide open if you hate your sister and you hate your brother secretly or so discord. I've learned I can't do it and still be effective in God's eyes. I had to go sit with what I hated. God said, go sit. Don't wait for them to come. You go! And don't say, if I have sinned, say, I have sinned against you. Not if I have sinned. You see what happened? The story between Jonathan and David didn't get passed on to Abner and Joab. Abner took side with King Saul and kept him on the throne and kept David in the cave. You know, Joab fought for David with everything he had. And as long as he fought for David, God blessed him. But the day when he stopped fighting for David and fighting his own personal battles, the worst battle you'll ever fight in this church is your own personal vendetta. Getting even with that sister. Getting even with that brother. And hating them in your heart. You can pray till, till Jesus comes. God says, you got to meet me on the altar with that person right there beside you. Hello. Hello. And Joab, Abner said, forgive me, David, I made a mistake. 
And David followed Jonathan and said, you're forgiven. But not Joab. I want to tell you, parents, after you slander that brother and sister in this church, your kids heard you. And when you made the turnaround, they haven't. And they ended up Moabites and Ammonites. God haters, church haters. Hate that church with a passion. Hate the message. Hate the preacher. You know why? Because you saw a seed. But you never recovered. And you turned around. But they didn't. And Abner said, David, forgive me. They said, you're forgiven. Because he's been forgiven for a lot of stuff himself. Amen. The more you've been forgiven, the most you should forgive to others. God forgave you. God put up with you. Then put up with that brother or sister. One guy said, God, you know how long this person will be bothering me? Probably came in church. I can't stand them. I can't tolerate them. They just make me mad make me sick. They give me a migraine headache. God said, just a minute. You know how long I've been putting up with them? From the womb to the tomb. If I can't put up that long with them, so can you. Mmm. And Abner did something that Jonathan didn't do to David. Jonathan hugged David, squeezed him. Now, I know the gay industry stole that scripture and misused it. But they're a bunch of perverts where they did that. That's perverted word of God. That's not what it means. But he embraced David. And they, and they cried. And David unwept him because David was moved. You know, David was moved at the love and the danger that Jonathan is risking his life. Knowing his dad could kill him. He was asleep for loving David so much. You got family that hates you coming to this church. You know that? You got a family that will despise you. Some even divorce you. Well, that's all right if you do it for Christ. A lady told me today, she, she, she said to my wife and I, so if I point a gun at you and say you're a Christian, what she said? So you're a Christian. Would you say yes or no? I said, I say yes. I said, then you'll die and you'll cease to be useful to God, she said, because you die. She said, I would say no. And I continue working for God. I said, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I said, it doesn't work that way. So thank you, Pastor, for telling me. <laughs> but church, he took a, a dagger and stick him up his what? He pulled him out of the city of refuge. Who's going to leave church because of you? Or who will you cause to leave church because of your behavior? Would you put your paws into the feed and poison them? Would you drop a word of discord in their mind and, and mislead them? We don't happen. He took that knife and pulled him out of the city of refuge and stick him up his ribs. Because that was an act of love when he embraced him. It was a knife of betrayal. We don't need no more Judases in this church. To embrace each other. Praise the Lord. I hate you. Whatever. Can't stand them. I just tolerate them. Let's worship God. Let me tell you how he died. Years ago, Joab died. And I know a lot of people are going to die that way too if they don't learn to get over that rivalry. Get him to survival mode. Jesus knew he couldn't make it to heaven back if he hadn't forgiven those 10, 11 men. I said, Jesus could not go to heaven without first forgiving those men. Is that right? They betrayed him. And before he went to heaven, he spent 40 days with them and forgave them. Then he went back to heaven. No grudge. He's clean. Joab died at the altar, hanging on to it, to the horns. And Solomon says, 
kill him like he killed Ahab. I mean, Abner. I mean, die at the altar lost. So I said, God, give me the spirit. Give me the spirit of Jonathan. I believe Jonathan tonight is sitting by the right hand of God. Amen. Because the spirit of forgiveness. If you need tonight a baptism, forget about the crowd. You don't care what they think because in heaven, uh, when you got judgment seat, everybody will watch you anyway. There's a small crowd in comparison to those going to watch you on that day. If you're wrestling with that spirit right now and you want the spirit of Jonathan, I'm going to invite you to this altar. Don't worry about the time right now. God, let me love what I despise. I hate. But I want to overcome it, God. Purge me, God. Cleanse me. I'm not here to punt finger at anybody. It's me, oh Lord. <laughs> I don't want to die on the altar like Joab. I want to go out like Jonathan. Die with mercy. Follow his kids and his children. Children. Not one of Jonathan's children hung on the gallows where the ten sons of Saul died. Saul died with bitter anger and envy. And his ten sons died hung by their necks. But not Jonathan's son. Mephibosheth sat at the seat. Purge me, O oh God. Search me, O oh God. And know my 